Okay, last one to sit down, opens in prayer. <laughs> all, right, all the spiritual ones are walking very slowly. <laughs> well, good morning, uh, everyone. It's great to have you here. We'll do some introductions right at the beginning. Um, can't you hear me? Okay. Okay, is that better? Okay. So remember that, Adam. Close to your mouth. All right. Um, Adam is going to be speaking this, uh, this morning. He's uh, uh, a former student of Mattersy. Um, he's bringing the, the word of God for us. Next to him is Chloe. And Chloe is going to share her testimony at some point. And then next to there is uh, Caroline, who is associated with a gentleman at the end, uh, who is Glenn, who's the principal of the Bible College, and he's going to share something about the Bible College as well later on. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for, for coming to be with us here today. Thanks. My way. That's better, I think. Uh, we're going to pray right at the beginning for God's blessing upon um, the meeting. But just to, to let you know, Peter and Joan, most of you should be aware, have, have been quite poorly. They've cancelled the whole group this week uh, because of that. So we're going to pray for, uh, for Peter and Joan. And also, we've had um, a prayer request, uh, which I'm, well, I'm, I'm delighted <laughs> has come. It's the first time that David has asked for prayer. And we're going to pray for him. Do you want to come forward, David? Um, David doesn't mind you knowing. He was diagnosed with amenia. amenia? He's anemic. I always thought anemic was an 18-inch Irishman. But then... Okay. So uh, we're going to pray for, for David. Peter's here. Oh, excellent. Peter's going to come and, and pray as well because um, he can pray a bit more knowledgeably about... Uh, <laughs> but but we, we want to pray God's blessing on David. He's not been well for some time and it's great that they've had a diagnosis. And tomorrow, the reason he's really asked is he's going to go for a transfusion, which he is a little bit uh, wary of. So we're going to pray for uh, that the Lord will give him strength and he'll come through that positively. And uh, he'll have the housework done in double time, Carol. <laughs> no? Let's pray. Raise your hand. Joshua and Caleb. 
Sorry. Please do remember to pray for David um, tomorrow morning as he's there in hospital. We do pray, Lord, for uh, Peter and John too. We thank you for them. And there are others that can't be with us today for various reasons. And we just pray that you'll be with them. As we go through this service, we pray that it won't just be going through another meeting, but it'll be a time when we know that we fellowship with you, that you, by your spirit, have just filled us with all goodness in order that our lives may reflect your light, little light. Amen. Amen. Excellent. We're going to sing um, a hymn, a song, a spiritual ditty. Um, and we'll take up an offering towards the Lord's work uh, as we do that. So please be ready to put into the bag as it comes around. If you've not come prepared, then don't forget to bring it next week. found 
notices but I'm going to ask Len just to come and tell us a little bit about the Bible college before that and then just so you know as if you know you know uh, at the end Len feels he's got something from the Lord for us as a church as well so he'll be back up and speaking then thanks Len thanks so much Pastor Alan really appreciate being here thank you for the invitation you might not have known that you invited me and the folks from Massasi but thank you very much Really appreciate that. Hands up those who've heard of Massasee Hall. Oh, look at that. I see that. That's the best appeal I've ever had. That's fantastic. <laughs> you might even get the website coming up here. I don't know. We couldn't quite do it. There is a website. Trust me, I'm a doctor. There is a website. Is that right? And it's called matterseehall.com. And just to find out more about us, go to the website and you can hear um, a lot more. My name's Glenn Balfour and I'm the principal. Um, let me just say, if all of our courses are validated by Chester University and applications are now open for our master's courses starting in September. You didn't think this would be a commercial break, but this is a commercial. So if you want to know any more, in fact, we've got a taste today at college about everything. And we're only an hour and a quarter away. I know that because I did it. I did it today. Uh, and um, if you want to come on to that, it is on Wednesday the 12th of February. When is it? 
There you go. Fantastic. So if you'd like to come down just to know more, especially about our master's programmes and also what we plan to do with the BA programmes as well, um, that will be great to see you there for that. And you even get a free lunch thrown in. There you go. And um, so that's more. But really do pray for us at Mattersea. We are right on the edge of making some decisions now. So really pray for us. It's been great to be back at Mattersea now for what's coming up to three years. And it really is great to see what God's doing at the college and what God's, God's doing in AOG as well. And by the way, great to see what God's doing here. What an amazing building we've put together. I can just imagine some of the effort that would have been involved in all of the compliance stuff with doing a great building project. So well done for that. One last little bit of shameless advertising from me. Is that okay? Are you ready for this? Is that there might have been someone here this morning who was saying, do you know, Lord, I'd love to have a chance to learn the languages of the Bible. Greek for the New Testament. What's the language for the Old Testament? Hebrew. Well, if you're thinking, I'd love to get hold of a textbook. Well, I brought a few with me. And if anyone would like to know a little bit more about Greek or Hebrew, I haven't brought any in. I couldn't be quite that shameless. But I brought them in the car so we can do a deal after the service. So anyway, if you'd like to know more, have a chat with me. Have a chat with Caroline and um, uh, we can sort that one out. Is that okay? But really do pray for us at Mattersea Hall. Um, and, um, uh, as I've said, we're right near the edge of making some decisions and making some announcements um, about what the new BA program will look like. And uh, come along on the 12th of February. Is that okay? And I'd like just to do something now. I wasn't going to do this, but I'd like to pray for you all. Is that okay, Alan? If I pray for you, why don't you all stand? Why don't you all stand? Just really do sense God's blessing on you as a people. I, you know, people, God's people can so often be told what they need to be doing, but sometimes we need a commendation of what God's people have already done. You know, and I love the fact that when we first see God, he's not going to tell us off for what we haven't done. The first, first words are going to be, well done, good and faithful servant. And I like that, don't you? I like that. And I just want to pray for you all. Is that okay? Just to, just, to, just to give something of God's blessing. Lord, I thank you so much for Alan and for Marjorie. Thank you for Peter and the leadership team here. Thank you for Jill and Andrew and the people that lead the worship. Thank you, Lord God, for the people that do the children's work and everything else. Thank you for those that clean. Thank you for those that have done the lunch for this lunchtime. Thank you, Father, for those who count the offering, those who do the IT, those who do the words, you know, all the people here, those who do the small groups, everything else. Father, I just want to thank you for everyone in this church, Lord God, and I know that you've given them a good past. And I know, as with all of your people, you want to give them an even more amazing future. And I pray that you bless them, fill them with your Holy Spirit, Help them to know and to see again how much they mean to you as God's people. We are your people, the people of your inheritance. And thank you so much for your people this morning. Amen. Amen. Bless God. Amen. Please take your seats. Hand back to Alan. Okay, uh, Chloe's going to come in a few seconds' time to share her testimony with us. After that, we will have to give opportunity for others to... Share. If you've got something that you really want to tell us the Lord's done this week, that would be great. Be ready to do that after Tony, because Tony's got some news for us as well. So, Tony, you follow Chloe, and then somebody else might just follow you. Okay, thanks, Chloe. There we go. Hi, everyone. 
So, I, I'm Chloe. So, I'm in my third year um, at Mattersea. Um, but I just want to tell you, not just one testimony, but three, if that's okay. Yeah, I'll be quick, I promise. Okay, so the first one, I'm going to talk about my salvation, how I came to know God. Um, so, I'm actually from quite close to here, um, a place called Hemingbrook, um, which I think is about half an hour from here. Um, so, yeah, so I'm quite local. Um, but I grew up as part of a broken family. Um, you know, my, my dad, he used to drink a lot, and he used to beat me up, my mum up, my brother up. Um, and then eventually, just to be quick, he, he had an affair, and my mum and dad ended up breaking up. Um, just after that, uh, you know, we were, we were really messed up. Like I said, this hit us hard. It really did. Um, you know, I loved my dad despite him. I believe not loving me. You know, I did not feel loved by, by the world. I didn't feel, feel loved by my family. I didn't feel loved by nobody. I was broken. Um, but, you know, after they broke up, my mum really felt, we weren't Christians, my mum really felt I need to go to church. But not just any church. It, it was as if God had told her, you need to go to Wath Pentecostal Church. And, you know, we were like, where the heck's Wath? Like, we didn't have a car. We didn't, we didn't know anywhere. We didn't really go outside of the village. Um, but she really was insistent. She was like, you know, I think God's telling me I need to go to a Wath Pentecostal church. So she Googled it, um, found out where, where it's in Rotherham. And luckily my grandma had a car. So she took us one Saturday night. And, you know, you don't think of going to church on a Saturday night. So we were all like, what on earth are we doing? Um, at one point, actually, we got lost. But we knew the medwall around there. So we thought, oh, maybe we'll just go shopping and go home. But my mum was like, no, 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 we've got to go to church. So we were like, right, okay. So we, we ended up rocking up at this church on a Saturday night thinking, it's probably not even going to be open, you know. But we went anyway, and, you know, it were actually open. Um, and we went, and they were having a meeting, uh, the Saturday night meetings by a guy called Nathan Morris. Um, and, you know, that night we heard about Jesus for the first time. I heard about a, a guy called Jesus who, who's God's only son. I heard about how he came to this world and, and he died a, a, an awful, awful, awful death just for me. Like, just for me. That's how much he loved me. You know, so despite not feeling loved by my family, not feeling loved by anyone, this, this guy who I didn't even know, this perfect guy, he died for me. You know, and as I learned about Jesus, I thought, you know what, I need to know this guy more. Um, so I went to the preacher at the end and I said, you know, you've, you've been talking about this Jesus guy. Bear in mind, I was only six, all right? I was only six. But I went to him and I was like, you need to tell me more. Like, just tell me more. And, you know, he, he told me about how Jesus taught us how to live. And, and yeah, he went further into how he died for us. Um, so that's the night I decided, right, I've got to give my life to this guy. I've got to dedicate my life to, to this Jesus because he dedicated his life to me. So I, I did. And, you know, I said this, this sinner's prayer. And to be honest, I weren't quite sure what I was saying at the time. But I was just like, I need to do this. I, I need to do this. This six-year-old girl was compelled to give her life to Jesus. And, you know, I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not kidding you. The second that I finished that prayer, I felt like a wave of love just flow through me. I felt so loved. I felt cherished. And it, it was something I'd never felt before. But Jesus made me feel that. And you know what? I, I've never really had a father figure in my life. Not really. But God's been my father. I don't need anybody else. So, so yeah, so that's, that's my, first, my first little story. Um, my second story is about money. 
I, I hate the topic of money, but I just want to share how God's provided in my life. So um, I went to church one week, and it weren't even that long ago, it's since I've been at Massey, but I went to church one week, and to be honest, I don't usually um, give any offering because, you know, it's very rare that I've got a job because, you know, I'm a student. Uh, but at this point, I had a job, and um, I really felt during the worship, God said to me, Chloe, you need to give what's in your purse in the offering. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a... I'm a skint student. I was like, there can't be that much in there. So, you know, when the offering bucket came around, I just grabbed it out of my purse, whatever we're in, and put it in the offering without even thinking about it. So I was like, God's told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. So I did it, and then about 20 seconds later, I realized that I'd just been paid my wage, and I'd got it all out in cash. So it was all in my purse, and I'd just put it all in the offering. So I was like, oh, my goodness. And, like, throughout the whole meeting, I was, like, staring at the bucket, and I was like, maybe if I like crawl and like just pick it out, no one will notice. But then I was like, no, I can't do that. That's going to look really bad. Um, so I just left it. I was like, you know what? I've stuffed up. I've got no money now, but hey ho, I did what God told me to do. Um, and then like, I was really panicked about it, but I was like, you know what? Oh, well. But then um, the month after this happened, for some strange reason, I got given a gift of £100. I just, just randomly, I got given this gift of £100. And I was like, oh, nice one. That kind of makes up for what I put in the offering. Um, and then I got my wage due, like, the day after this. Um, and I'd been given employee of the month. So I got a £250 bonus. So I was like, get in. Like, I was well happy. <laughs> and then... Um, with my wage as well, there was some holiday or something that I didn't take, so I got an extra week's worth of pay. So just like that, I was like, praise the Lord, you know? So I, I probably got back about three times as much as I gave, and I was like, isn't God good? You know, I felt like I'd, like, seriously stuffed up my finance, but actually God knew what was going to happen. He, he already knew, and he provides. Um, okay, so yes, that's my second story. And my third story, um, a quick testimony of healing. So my first summer after Matsy, so I'd just finished my first year. It was first, yeah, my first year. Um, and it was probably about two days after leaving Matsy. Um, I was at home, and we have these really bad stairs, like they're really steep. And it was like, it's really embarrassing, but it was like the middle of the night, and there was this really big spider at the top of the stairs. Like, I'm not even kidding, it was huge. And I wanted to take a photo to show Adam how big this spider were. So, like, I get down, like, and I'm, like, crawling next to this spider, get really close to it. I take the photo, but then the spider starts running towards me. So I, like, freak out, and I go flying down the stairs. And I really hurt my ankle, really hurt it. It weren't broken or anything, but I really hurt it. Um, and then a couple of days later, I went to pick my little brother and sister up from school, as in, literally, like, you walk out of my house, there's a field, and then the school, that's it. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden, again, I was on the phone, all of a sudden, I'm, like, falling on the floor, screaming in pain, and I'd, like, snapped my ankle just from walking. So, obviously, it was weakened by the stairs, but just walking, I, I broke my ankle. Um, so... And at the same time, like, nobody could pick the kids up from school, so I had to carry on walking on this broken ankle, which was really gross because I could feel, like, my ankle touching the floor. Um, but, yeah, anyways, so we went to the hospital, um, and 
they put a big cast, it was like up to here on my leg. And they said to me, you're going to have this cast on at least six weeks. It was a really bad break. So I was like, oh, okay. But I'd booked in to go to a Christian conference in West Brom that weekend. And I was like, oh, no. I was meant to be taking people to this conference. I was meant to be driving like two hours or whatever it is. And I was like, I've got to go to this conference. So I decided I'm going to pay loads of money. And we got the train down. But I was like, I need to go to this conference. I can't miss it just because I can't drive. So we went to the conference and I got prayed for twice um, for my ankle because it was very obvious that I'd broke it because I was like, I'm not very good in pain. So I was like moaning to everyone that I'd broke my ankle and I just couldn't go. Uh, there's in, like, even in the train station, I'd burst out crying. I was like, I can't do it. Uh, but yeah, so I got prayed for twice. And to be honest, I didn't feel a thing, not a thing. Um, but because... I told the, the hospital people I was going to this conference, they were like, okay, on the only condition that after the conference, you come back and we give you an x-ray on your ankle to see what damage you've done further. Because they were like, there's no way you're not going to be able to go all the way down there and back and not make this ankle worse. So like, you've got to come back and we've got to x-ray it again. So I was like, okay. So, so after the conference, you know, I'd been prayed for twice, didn't feel a thing, but I was like, I've got to go back to the hospital. So the day after, so I'm talking, I'd had the cast on for three days, all right, just three days, and it was meant to be six weeks. Um, so I went to the hospital, and, you know, I had the x-ray and everything, and this doctor comes back to me, and he says, did you actually break your ankle? And I was like, well, I've got a cast on. And he was like, yeah, but did you actually break it? Did you see the x-rays? And I was like, yeah, I've got a photo of it, because I took a photo of it, because I was like, oh, that's a bad break. Um, but he showed me what my ankle was like now, and it was completely normal. So then I showed him the picture of what it was like three days before. And he was like, that's crazy. I was like, I know, God's good in here. And he was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, so not only does God save, but he provides and he also heals. And there's my three stories. Who's next? Basically, the, the home I've escaped those three months to uh, pack up and leave the country because yeah, it's long story, but 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 um, I was supposed to wait for three and a half months, uh, three months to get the results, but only after technically uh, well a week or so, uh, I found out that they've, they've changed their mind. And I can, it's basically, I can stay here unlimitedly. So, so it's, it's so crazy. Before Christmas, I asked for prayer uh, through the prayer chain for my cousin, who was actually very ill in London. During half-term, <clears throat> we both were commiserating with each other because that was October half-term, because I had shingles, and she'd been going to go to her, her daughter's in London to see, basically, to see her granddaughter. Um, and we were commiserating with each other because neither of us could see our grandchildren during the half-term. So the, the, there's been texts flying backwards and forwards. Anyway, she... 
Went to London. She was, you know, feeling a lot better. Though not herself, I don't think. Went to London just before Christmas to see a granddaughter in her nativity. And she was taken ill. And she was taken into hospital in London. And she was diagnosed with pneumonia. And she was critically ill. Um, she... Apparently, she says she had the best treatment. But anyway, um, she uh, was in there, was in hospital over Christmas. And then three weeks after tomorrow, since she was discharged to her daughter. So she's still in London as her daughter's. But we've been in touch with each other. And um, I, uh, she's been, she hasn't been able to walk on her own. She's, she had COPD anyway. So the pneumonia had made her very weak. And so she'd not been able to walk on her own and not to be left on her own. So she was, I got a text from her on um, Wednesday to say that, um, I can't remember what the first text was, that she was, she, oh no, she, I think I texted her, and she'd said that she was um, walking with a trolley. So she, it was the first day that she'd been left on her own and her daughter was at work and son-in-law was at university, little girl was at school. So she'd had, she got this trolley so she could get her own drinks and her own food. So she was really chuffed that she got that far. Then yesterday morning, I got another message from her that says, um, been walking on my own without aid this morning. Well, that made me cry. Uh, we were in tears and I, I messaged her back and she said that her and her daughter and little girl were all crying. But the little girl, who was only five, had said there were tears of happiness seeing Nanny walking. So... Messages, messages flew backwards and forwards again and I'd said about people praying that she didn't know about people praying for her because she knew that I'd sent the prayer text out well I don't know, if she, I'm sure she did but I think that time she was not very with it but daughter definitely did so she says this and this really got me I have had the best people around me I've met the most lovely people and I, get me? I was called the lady from Yorkshire I'm so thankful for all your prayers People from all around the world have been praying for me. That is mind-blowing. And I always say prayer is so powerful. It is true. And that's just really touched me so much. And, you know, I just pray. She's with a similar age, 73, and she will just go from strength to strength. When she'll come back to York, because she's from York, when she'll come back to York, I don't know. But the fact is she's on the mend. So praise God. share this this morning it's just um just about god's love and god's provision and care um as you all know i'm going to uh, romania in the end of march um to um see about the work at damascus trust so you know, we support them and andy payne's work there and it was really good it was only more or less straight away as um, i'd said i was going to go there when i was given um half the money to go now, you could say, well, did you need that money? Well, in some ways, no, I didn't. But do you know something? It was God saying to me, I'm, I'm blessing you, Marge, you're important. And, then, and it was just felt like a real confirmation that this wasn't just a little <coughs> jolly out to Romania, but it's got a purpose to it. And it's just, I just think it's wonderful that God knows our needs, our inmost needs, and he meets them, even though at times you think, well, I, you know, you know, that's great, but I, I, did I really, you know, 
But God knew, and he, and he gave that to me, and I'm very, very grateful, and I think God is amazing. morning everyone I just want to share this as a, an example really just as encouragement to share the gospel whenever you get the opportunity um, I met a lady a couple of years ago Tope Teniona who wrote this book You Fit Perfectly and she survived the London bomb blast she sent me a book and I was reading this book um, on my way down to London to visit my daughter and I, I was reading in the book it says then as faith is birthed in us, he begins a big work on our character. He builds scaffolding around us, layer by layer, brick by brick, new foundations are laid. And as I was reading this, I was on the, on the station, um, I was on the train, and a crowd of people were getting on the platform, and I got drawn to a, a guy who was, had loads of tattoos on his arm, and lo and behold, he sat on the seat, pre-booked, next to me, and uh, just in conversation, I said, what are you going down to London for then? And he said he was going to be a scaffolder. So I brought out the book and shared it with him. Then I went to ABBA, the movie, the theatre in, in London with my daughter. It was our birthdays. We always go to the theatre. And I got stopped and bag searched. <laughs> the little guy took me to one side and wanted to search my bag. He said, oh, you're a Christian? I had this book in my bag. He said, come and see me at the interval. I want you to share your testimony. So I shared the testimony with him. Um, but going on from that, when I got home, um, Paul, you reminded me of it yesterday. I saw somebody knocking on your door. Um, but somebody knocked on my door, and it was a guy selling wares. So I did what I normally wouldn't do, but invited him in for a coffee. Told me he'd come out of prison, and that he was... Um, you know, got into trouble for drugs, crime, and um, beating somebody up. But I said, well, it's onwards and upwards. You've served your time, and it's, God can transform your life. What surprised me was he did commit his life to Christ and said the sinner's prayer. But then he said, have you heard of Bram Seed? He came to prison to um, witness to him, and I'd heard the name. So then I knew God was in it because I looked him up on the internet, and Bram Seed was the... Um, was a, a drug user and he did get banged away but he's now a pastor turned his life around and then where, where am I leading to it I was working at the garage and um, about one o'clock in the morning a guy hobbled off his bike limping and I said are you okay and he said yes I'm okay I'm a, I'm a miracle I said you're God's miracle it turned out he'd been uh, fallen off some scaffolding <laughs> so I got my book out <laughs> <laughs> Jesus book. And I shared that passage with him and I gave him my Jesus book. <laughs> and um, but then I later found out that uh, he came to me at the garage and said, Can you pray for my grand now? Um, she's poorly. And it turned out she was the one that was praying for him when he was in Pimberfields. And he they thought he would um, never walk again and he's walking again. And <laughs> and I she was a missionary in China, so I knew God was in it. I, I just this week, on Thursday, I got invited to the Christian Police Association meeting to give a talk about Watchman Warriors Police Initiative, which we have birthed from here to pray for the police. And um, we meet up with the police now every two weeks. 
every sorry two months to pay for them. <coughs> In the talk, I mentioned about this uh, guy um, who came to my house knocking at the door, and the policeman said, well, I was the one that locked Graham Seed up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he said he encouraged me to come to faith. <laughs> notices and then uh, we're going to have a time of worship together. Um, there is a shared lunch after this service this morning so please do stay um, and enjoy fellowship with us. Even if you've not come with anything then you're going to be blessed morning and not aren't you so please do stay. Um, next Sunday uh, I don't know if you're aware, but it's, it's a very, very busy Sunday for us, and hopefully it will be for you. Uh, we'll have our service at 10.30 next Sunday morning, and also, as usual, be, be the first Sunday in the month, from 3 till 5, will be FAF, Friendship and Fun. And we've now got two or three people who are regular attendees who aren't part of the church, and we're building bridges with that. That's excellent. So if you're able to come to FAF, that will be marvellous but also in between those two believe it or not we have got a civic service at two o'clock uh phil uh the handsome chap at the other end of the front row uh has been um the chaplain to the council for the last 10 months and uh, and it's coming towards the end and there's always a civic service so because phil's been the chaplain then the service is here unfortunately the council left it too late and they've run out of Sundays when they could get all the chain gang from around the East Riding to come along. All the mayors and mayoresses, etc. Uh, so it will probably be um, just the local town council and a few invited guests with them. They will probably not be enthusiastic worshippers so it would be really, uh, well, we have got one. Julia was just up as a town councillor. So we've got at least one little sing out for us there. Uh, but please do, it will make a huge difference. If they come into this place next Sunday at two o'clock and feel the presence of God, that will impact their lives. There's no two ways about that. They're heathens among them, without a shadow of a doubt. And, um, but they will come. So... If you can get here for two o'clock, that would be excellent. It really, really would to get behind that. In fact, I will go as far as to say, I prefer you to come to the civic service than Bath. But I prefer you to come to all, all of them. Okay? So there'll be plenty of tea and cake after the civic service, because we'll have our usual stuff. Have you got that? It's a busy one. 10.30, morning, normal morning service, two o'clock, civic service and then three o'clock faff uh we'll have lots of fun for a couple of hours so please do uh, pray about that and, and that's important the um calendar for february is out if you've not got one already they'll be on the table as you go out at the end of the service okay jill come and lead us in some praise and worship please with andrew and the Brazil assistants. <coughs> Mm-hmm. 
And if you'd like to stand, please, that's all right. <laughs>
to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. And on that day when my strength is fading, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise and ending. Ten thousand years and then
you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Your goodness is running. 
Lord, we thank you this morning that every one of us has a story to tell of your faithfulness to us. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you never leave us. You never forsake us. Whatever situations we find ourselves in, we know that you're there and you're holding our hand. And Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness to us. Maybe over many years, many weeks, many months, but you've still been there. You're the same yesterday, today, and you're the same forever. We thank you, Lord.
for the tasks that we have. We thank you, Lord, for your presence and pray that will continue. As Adam brings your word now, we just pray the anointing upon him. For your glory, Lord Jesus. Good morning. How good is it to be in the house of the Lord? I just think that it's it's good to just celebrate the fact that we have the freedom to come together as the body of Christ with no restrictions. We're not convicted. We haven't got people trolling the streets that are stopping us um, coming together to celebrate God's goodness. Isn't it not amazing that 2,000 years ago, Christ came, and we're here living in that legacy, that we're here to celebrate his goodness, to declare his glory and his love. I just think it's worth, just right now, if everybody could just stand up, I know we do a lot of up and down, up and down, but I just want everybody to fill your lungs nice and deep, and I just want us to release a sound of praise, cheer, in your own words, just spend 10, 15 seconds thanking our God, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, just shout out, raise the atmosphere, lift your voice, lift your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. You are worthy. You are holy. You are mighty. You are the anointed one. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Thank you. He's worthy to be praised. All the time, God is good. God is good all the time. Some of those songs really touched me. I've not heard. Hang on, keep getting back mic. Some of those songs touched me. I've not heard some of those since since I was a little boy. And just to hear some of those songs again is really um, touching. It's made me a bit emotional, if I'm honest. To just to think about the the deep rootedness of those songs. I think it's so nice to just. We've got all our new songs that we all like. But some of those songs are have real deep meaning that really, that really touch my heart. Anyway, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. It's great to come, uh, come over all the way from Birmingham. That's, well, West Bromwich. I say West Bromwich, but people don't often know where West Bromwich is. So I'll just say Birmingham. Um, my name is Adam, in case you didn't already know. And I'm 31. I'm a graduate from Matthew Bible College. And I think it probably was the second best decision I made in my life to go. The first one was giving my life to Christ. Amen. Um, so what, I just want to tell you a little bit about me before um, I bring any messages. I haven't always been a Christian. I may have gone to Sunday school as a little kid, but that didn't make me a follower of Christ. In 2012, was the, it was a September, no, it was August 2012, that I actually made the decision to give my life to Christ. Know that I made a decision to give my life to Christ. In September, I then got baptised um, and that was the first step, but I still I'd only made a decision to give my life to Christ. I hadn't actually given my life to Christ. I think there's a difference between the two. So I was still living in my own world, doing my own thing. I went to church. I'd often turn up to church hungover because I'd been out of the pub the night before, doing all the things that people do. And so I had this, at this point, I was just coming to church. I was living my life my way, and I had this conviction um, that that needed to change because there's no point saying and declaring your faith when you're actually living, it's black and white, they're that far apart. 
So then I had a conviction that I needed to clean my act up. I actually needed to start living the life that I claimed to profess. So it's in about 2016, it was 2016, I went to Matthew Bible College. And then here I am now. That's a, that's a very quick um, process how I came to Christ. Now, uh, the title of my message today is, I've called it Identity Crisis. Now, I'm not saying that you're in an identity crisis, but I think the church as a whole is facing the possibility of an identity crisis. There's a world around us is imposing a culture on us. As a church, we've been silenced. We hear of nurses that, get, that pray for patients. And they're sacked, so they're suspended. We hear people sharing the faith. And they're, they're punished for that. At the moment, it's not bad, but I think there's a... We're in a time where the culture around us is imposing the identity that they want us to be. They're silencing the voice of the Christian, and it's affecting us individually. Now, the, I want to look at Daniel. I think Daniel shows an excellent picture between the, the clash, the culture clash between the world that we live in and the church. I think he's, what happened with Daniel back then is just as relevant. Now, it's funny that the same thing has been happening for thousands of years. It's not new. There's nothing new, really. It just gets recycled. So just to give you just a, a picture of what happened, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had ransacked Jerusalem. He'd taken it over, and he took all the, the offering stuff, the utensils, in the Bible it says utensils, and he took that and he put it in, he took it for his temple and for his use, and put in his tree, he stored it in his treasury. So this wasn't a, a, a comfy takeover. This was a hostile takeover of a nation and of a people group. Then what Nebuchadnezzar did was he took some of the Israelites from their home and put them in Babylon where he'd teach them for three years where they'd live like the king. They'd eat his diet, drink his, drink his wine, and eat his food. The plan, I imagine, was to make these Babylonians that he was going to use in his courts and in his society, to look, act, think, and sound like Babylonians, not the Israelites that they were. And I think there's three important lessons that I think we can take from the book of Daniel. Now, all this comes from the book, um, chapter 1. So I'm just going to read the first part, and I've called this point, Don't Let People Define Who You Are. Don't Let People Define Who You Are. Among these were Daniel. So they've been taken, these people have been taken, and you've taken a group of the Israelites, and among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, from the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. How many of you know, are more familiar with the names that the, the three were given, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We don't necessarily know or are familiar with the names that they originally had, but the, the character that I actually want to focus on is Daniel. We all know Daniel. Everybody knows his name. If you were to say Belshazzar, which was the name he was given, how many people? Just, just show me hands. If I was to say we're going to talk about Belshazzar, would make the link to Daniel. And maybe, maybe three or four. The point, the point I'm making here is Daniel held to his identity. He did not let the king Nebuchadnezzar define who he was going to be. The name 
Belshazzar means Bel protects. And Bel was their, their chief god. So if you can imagine, you've got three people taken from the homeland, dropped into a foreign land, not only in a hostile takeover, but not only is that bad enough, the king goes, we're going to give you new names, which we're going to give you new names which oppose everything that your Hebrew names stand for. Daniel means of God, or God is my judge. We get that from the LB at the end. I'm not quite sure on which one people like to go with, but I like God is my judge. So you've got God is my judge to belt protects. He's a complete stripping of their identity. How many of us experience things like this today when we get called names? We get put into groups and we get labels placed upon us. How many people can remember back at school or you're in college or university when names get applied to you? I can imagine that only being in a foreign land is quite demeaning. So I have a name. Your name exalts, exalts Yahweh, exalts God. And then you're given a new name, which is completely the opposite. Just imagine how that must have been. So I just want to look at my life and any reflection. So when, when I'm at work, I, had, I was given names. I was given the name of the mad one, the crazy one, because I was always like laughing and joking. Um, the dancer. And I was given these labels. And I'm sure many of you at some point in your life have been given a label, whether it's good or bad. But we, we sometimes we get given a label. And how many of us then feel the need to live up to that label? When people call me the crazy one, the dancer, sometimes I used to work on the trains. So I'd go in sometimes like, yo, morning, how are you all doing? I'm here and I'd do silly things. I'd laugh and I'd joke and it'd be great. But people used to do, that's how I got defined. And sometimes I felt that I had to live up to that characteristic, that name or that label that was given to me. Whether I actually was crazy, mad or wild, and live dancing was irrelevant. That was what people gave me. That's what I lived up to. However, this didn't affect Daniel. Daniel knew who he was. Daniel knew that he was a son of God. Daniel knew that he was an Israelite and he was not going to have the culture imposed on him. When we look through the book of Daniel, I think it's often it's important to think about not only what other people say, but what we say about ourselves. In the book of Daniel, Daniel's referred to 15, sorry, 15, 51 times, 5-1. Belshazzar, anybody has it a guess? 10. 10 times. So Daniel had made a strong, there's a strong sense there that Daniel rejected the identity that was being imposed on him. And it was an attempt, there was a, I said it earlier, but this was an attempt to make these four Hebrews look, smell, act like Babylonians. So Daniel stood firm in everything that he believed. And I believe that in that was a sense of conviction. It was a sense of identity. He knew who he was. He knew who he belonged to. How many of us are that certain of who you are, who you belong to, that when you're out there in the, when you're out living your life and you go to Tesco's, or you go to a school, or you go in, you're in a queue somewhere, that you take the identity with you. That when somebody says, oh, those Christians are just stupid, how can, they, how can they even worship a man that was born 2,000 years ago and he died? That's silly. There can't be a God. Look at all the bad things that happen. How many of us would actually pipe up and say, or just bring up in comments, no. Now, there's things 
I want to think that the things that Daniel had in his core, there's some of the things that the, the Bible tells us now, actually. And that you, firstly, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 5 that you are adopted into his family. It says this God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So you're a part of this big family, and we're in a bit of it now, but it's a big family, it's a global family that you're a part of. Secondly, you are made in his image. Right at the beginning in Genesis 1.27, you, God made us in his image. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you're made in God's image. When you go out, how often do we walk around with a mantra that actually I am made in the image of God. I am a son of God. I am adopted into his family. When we're opposed with this culture that's being placed upon us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139, 14. How many of us have to remind ourselves, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? When somebody decides to pick faults at you, how often do we remind ourselves, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Wonderfully made. Lastly, I want to point out that you are a royal priesthood. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And may you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out from the darkness into his marvelous light. Light. We're meant to walk in light. We're meant to give light. Light bearers. The Bible tells us that we're meant to be the light and the salt of the world. I imagine that when Daniel was having this culture imposed on him, we're going to give you a new name. You're no longer a Hebrew, a Israelite. You're going to be a Babylonian. I want to encourage you, just from this reflection, that in the light of Daniel, to stand firm in who you are. Reject everything that the world is trying to put on you, every box that they're trying to put you in. Just think of Daniel, when he, said, when he did not accept that that was given to him, that name that was given to him. It was referred to more than anything. Daniel, not Belshazzar. What are people going to remember of us when we're gone? Are they going to remember the names, the nicknames, the things that people said? Or are they going to remember our name? We remember the things that you don't know. That's, that was Daniel, the, the faithful Christian guy that was kind and gentle and soft and prayed for everybody, shared the love of God. Secondly, I want to draw out that your conviction and your beliefs enable you to behave differently. And without conviction, without beliefs, it just becomes impossible and almost a fairy tale to walk out, to walk around in the world and live our lives as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, if we don't believe that he's raised from the dead, if we don't believe that he's a king of kings and he's a lord of lords, we have to have that belief and we have to have that conviction that as in because of that, we have to live our lives differently. We're convicted. This is one of the things that helped me change. I'll tell you about that in a second. Back to scripture. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that they drank. And they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king a little bit later. But then Daniel resolved that he would not, he resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So the, we're not, effectively on the third wave here, you've been removed. Imagine you've been pulled from here and you've been dropped in Essex 
You've been given new names. It's, just, it's the furthest place I could think of. Essex. Terrible. I would say London, but let, no. You've been given a new name, and now you've been told the food that you normally drink, the food that goes against the, the culture that you're in, so the Israelites would have been adhering to strict food laws, and this king's diet would have contradicted that massively. So, new place, new name, right, new food. This is a systematic process where Daniel's and his friend's identity was intended to be stripped. See, I think it must, I think it must have been extremely difficult for people in a strange nation to hold core to their values, hold core to what God had told them, to their beliefs and their conviction. I actually, I admire Daniel for what he did. He took a stand and he did not conform to the world around him. Paul, I think Paul, quite, Paul nails this quite well in Galatians 1.10. For I am now, for I am, for am I now seeking approval of man? Or, or am I seeking approval of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Friends, I want, to, I want you to know that pleasing people and pleasing God are not synonymous. They don't go together. It's very impossible, I think, to please both people at the same time. What is at the core of your heart? What was at the core of Daniel's heart when he said, I'm not going to? Can we do this instead? What is it that drives us? What is it that drives us? Is he, was he seeking? I'm sure if he was trying to seek the approval of the king, because for me, I think I'd want to buckle and go, you know what, I'm living the life of Riley. I've got the food and I'm going to be somebody important and I don't need to worry about anything. I'm sure it would have been easier for Daniel not to risk taking to, to do, to stand for God, to stand for everything that he believed. I think it was risky. I would I have done it? Would you have done it? Think about it. You're in a strange nation, a strange land. Would you do it? Well, think about it like this. You're in a strange nation, you're in a strange land. The Bible tells us that we called out, we're separate. We're meant to be different. We're meant to look, act, and smell differently to the world around us. When people encounter us, I would like them to say, that's somebody different. What is it about them? Is that something we want? Is that something that burns in the core of our heart that we want people to see that you're different? What is it about you? Maybe say you're a bit weird. I've been called that. Oh, the weird Christian guy. I believe that Daniel had a deep conviction. Daniel had a deep conviction and his focus was on pleasing the Father. What is your focus? How often do you make decisions to please yourself rather than please God? I'll be honest, I do think it now and again. I'm probably talking to myself here. I should ask myself this question, well, am I doing this to please man or am I doing this to please God? I think it's a daily challenge and I think Daniel, done that. Daniel lived that well. So how are we going to choose to live? Someone much older, much wiser than me, I don't know who it was, but I'll, I'll let you know that it was somebody other than me, said, living by preference, you will always change the way you live because your preference always changes. But if you live from conviction, your conviction in God never changes. It's like an anchor. And it doesn't change no matter what comes, no matter what happens. Your conviction is always going to be straight. Focus on Christ, have your conviction. That will always 
that's always going to take you. I can imagine Danny, if he went with his preference, he'd have preferred, I'm sure he would have preferred the easier life, the lush life. But I think he had a deep sense of conviction about what it is that he's, he's to do and how he's to do it. So one of the, one of the things, so I mentioned earlier, had, I used to get called names, there's things I used to do and I used to get labelled with them. Uh, when I, I'm at work and then I announce, I started to tell people I was a Christian. That kind of, that kind of rocked the boat. Then I remember when I said I had a conviction to start living the way I should live, not the way I was living. I stopped going to the pubs. I stopped hitting the clubs. I changed. People started asking, what's different? Why are you like that? And then when I said I was going to Bible college, people started calling me, oh, the Christian lad or the Christian kid or saying a man of the cloth or a man of the... And then I had these names, labels attached to it. But the thing is, it was different. Beliefs, which brings me on to my last point. Beliefs and behaviours get people's attention. Beliefs and behaviours get people's attention. Just as I started to tell people I'm a Christian, I was going to Bible college, and I stopped doing the things that everybody else normally did, it got people's attention. Just have a quick look at Daniel. At the, at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and they were fatter in flesh. Then all the youths who ate the king's food, then all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. He impacted the world around them. His choice, their choice to be different, impacted the world around them. It made that there was a physical difference and it then affected the people that were around them. I'm sure if they'd have just gone along and done all the other things but left the dietary requirements out of it, they might not have had the impact that they had. Are we having an impact on the world around you? Do your behaviours get people's attention? People won't see God unless we serve him, unless we love him, unless we demonstrate him. People aren't going to see God. People can see God through you. Just like the eunuchs and the king Nebuchadnezzar got to see God through Daniel. His actions, he done things that got their attention. We'll come back to how are you going to choose to live? Are we a conforming people or are we a burning flame? We're on the edge of an identity crisis, I believe. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, just like Daniel stood in the face of adversity and oppression and relabeling and stripping of his identity, don't lose your identity. And I'll close with this. I've got a picture of a flame on there and robots. Are we going to be a clone and a carbon copy of society or are we going to be a burning flame? Are we going to burn for Christ? When a flame burns, it gives off heat and it gives off light. It's different and it cannot blend into its surroundings. It's impossible but it affects it and if it gets close enough, you'll set the, it will set its surroundings on fire as well. But when that fire is put out, when that fire it has no impact, you might know it was there just through a little bit of the, you know when you look at a road and time after you see the heat, you might know it was there, but it then becomes ineffective. Don't let your flame, your passion, your desire to promote. Don't undergo an identity crisis. I want to encourage you to stand firm in your faith. And all this only comes out of a true relationship with our Father and Jesus Christ. Because he tells us that he will send the Holy Spirit to help us. And I believe that is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. That's to encourage each and every one of you in your daily walks, in your testimony, in your witness to the world around us.
So let's, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quickly close in prayer, and then I'm gonna hand over to Glenn. But think, think about Daniel as you go out this week. What did he have to? What did he have to put up with? What did he have to go against? But he stood for God. But we've got Jesus Christ. He did not have Jesus Christ. We have a risen Savior. We have a living one, and we have the Word. We've got more than needed. How many excuses can we come up with? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for you are glorious and you are mighty. I thank you for your word. I thank you that he's living and it is the word that has the ability to change us. I thank you that he's life-giving. I just want to pray over every person in this room. Lord, I pray may you, may you fill them, Lord, with your spirit. I pray that you will give them a new sense of boldness, Lord. Lord, where their identity may be lacking, Lord. Lord, may you set them on fire for you, Lord. Lord, may you help them to stand out, stand proud, stand strong, Lord. Lord, I pray for behaviors and attitudes that provoke the reaction of those around them. Lord, I pray, may you fill them with love. May you fill them with your spirit. And Heavenly Father, I pray that may your spirit go with them now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you, Adam. Wasn't that good? That's great stuff. This was an unusual one for me. I normally go to churches and I normally preach myself. And I think this will be this will be one of the first times I've taken some students with me and the students preached. But um, I thought that was just the way to do it today. Worked well. So thank you so much for letting Chloe and Adam speak to you. I did want to say something, but I thought, you don't want another preach. That's not going to work. And just through the night, I just felt the Lord just lay a little verse on my heart. Just woke up in the night. And I thought, actually, let me just leave God's people with this. Uh, and you can link it in with what Adam's brought to us about making sure that your identity and your confidence is in God, not in anything else. Uh, and it's just this little verse. As many of you will know it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And it just says this. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. And I was going to bring something on Daniel today just to round off by Adam before Adam mentioned what he was going to share to me. And I just as in the night, I thought, no, 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 let's just leave the preach to Adam. But let me give you this verse that you can tie into that. I don't know what you're worried about. But listen, I don't need to be a prophet to know full well that every single one of us here can have things that we choose to worry about. If, you were, if, I, if I asked you to, you could fill a page of all the bullet points of things that you could be worrying about. And I love the word of the Lord to us. Listen. And I love the way, by the way, that the writer doesn't say, don't worry because it's a sin, because that gives me something else to worry about now. No, I like the fact that the Lord's good, good to us and gracious and kind. Listen, cast your cares on him. I don't know what it is you're worried about today. I don't know what the concerns are. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Is that all right? And I just wanted just to give you a little word of encouragement. Thank you so much for having us, Pastor Alan, Marjorie. Thank you so much for having us today. Just great to see that God's with you. God's among his people. Jill, come to the front and just lead us a little bit in worship. And I'm going to get us to stand and I'm going to hand over to... Why don't we all stand together just for a minute? And um, I'm going to hand back to Alan just in a moment. But just play a few chords for us, Jill. It's good. Just to bring yourself in God's presence. Whatever you've heard today, Chloe brought those thoughts about God as saviour, God as provider, God as healer. Do you need those things in your life? Well, God can be those things to you as well. 
Adam brought that great sense of finding your identity in God, letting your life be driven by the principles of of God's word, not to be drawn into the practices of the world. And just that sense of there are things you're worried about, cast your cares on him. He cares for you. The Lord, thank you for your people this morning. And just as we stand in God's presence, just for a few moments, just bring yourself before God, just as Jill just brings a few chords to us. Just, what do you need to say to God now? Recommit yourself to him. Any anxious thoughts you've got, give them to God. God, take care of my family. Help me to do the right thing. Look after my job. Look after my children. Help me to find my strength from you. Father, I pray. Just think this is a final song this morning. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare your tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence
builds this place and fills the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be Become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. said, take that seed and get it into your heart. Get it in on the floor. Get it into your heart. And you'll fall in love with it. Thanks for being here. Please, if at all possible, do stay and have lunch with us. God bless you all.